Last week I was uh, able to be in the uh, first, first board meeting that I've served on with the Great Commission Foundation, and we met up in Nashville and was able to present to the Great Commission Foundation the work of Here's Life Africa, and they too have committed to build a church and to, and to train a pastor, a national pastor, to do that through the House of Prayer. So that's quite, a, quite an honor in Edwin's name. As I was uh, getting ready to go to Nashville for the trip, uh, and it was a quick trip, up on Thursday, board meeting all, most of Thursday night and back home Friday, Jackie put together a, uh, she keeps a, she had all my stuff, all the folder that I needed to take, all the information, and the last thing she does is she prints me out a uh, directions, and uh, there's, a, there's a sheet of directions inside the folder, and on the outside, she has stapled a sheet of directions highlighted, even down to the exit numbers, you know, I'm supposed to take, which I love that. And so I got on the road very confidently. I was going to be able to make that trip and got above uh, between Chattanooga and Knoxville. And those of you that travel uh, 24 a lot, you know Mont Eagle. You, uh, you cross Mont Eagle between Chattanooga and Knoxville. And um, was noticing, uh, watching the road signs and noticed particularly the truck drivers, a lot of truck traffic on that road. And the, uh, the trucks really paid attention to the signs. They would say uh, 6% grade next two miles, use a lower gear. And you watched, and these trucks paid attention to the traffic and to the signs. And by doing that, I, I watched them, and I watched the signs and uh, followed the directions. And by doing that, I was able to reach Nashville on time and uh, for the meeting and everything. But I've not always been so observant of that. Reminds me of a story back in 1971. Um, 1971, I was a, a college student, and the college class I was in was going to Atlanta to, a, um, to where they do educational television, Georgia Public Broadcasting. And uh, so we go down together, and there's a reception area, and they've got some snacks, and they talk to us and say some different things. And then someone gives us directions to say, okay, now I want you to, you're supposed to go to Studio B and give us instructions how to go there. So the, the group of, uh, of, kid, of college students I was with and the instructors, we leave. And I didn't pay any attention uh, much at all to the instructions. As a matter of fact, and I didn't look at the signs because I was too busy talking to the people around me. Now, I know some of you will find that hard to believe. But, uh, but I was talking. And, and, and I was talking as we walked, okay? And as, I, as we walked and as I talked, I walked my way right on in. And I didn't realize it until I heard the, ah, not to the outer area, but to the business section of the women's bathroom. <laughs> and, uh, and let me just tell you, it didn't take me near as long to get out of there as it did to get in. So I got out, and then I looked for the signs, and I got to the other area. And, and I wish, if I had had my car in Atlanta, I would have come home. There's no doubt about it. And so I, I, get, I get to the next where we're going first, and I try to find a place as far back out of sight. But it was no use because after everybody got there and before we started our next meeting, one of the instructors gets up and says, Mr. Helton, I'm sure that up in the mountains, they may only still have one facility. But now down in Atlanta, we have separate facilities for people. Well, my, my wife, Barbie, enjoyed telling that story tremendously from 1971. But then something happened in 1977, and God is so good. And there was a, it was a different story. 1977, Barbie and I are going from, from Blairsville to California. We moved to inner city ministry in San Francisco. We're pulling on a Chevelle station wagon. Paige is, uh, is six months old. 
And um, we've, uh, we've, we've uh, loaded up a U-Haul trailer. As far as we know, we're, we're going to California for good. So we've loaded up. We got this U-Haul packed full. And as we closed the doors, we realized that my great-grandmother's rocking chair had not been put in the U-Haul. Uh, and that was kind of special. It's still special. We still have it. And um, so as a result, the only place we could find to put that was on top of the Chevelle station wagon. Secured very well. So here we go down the road headed toward California with uh, a U-Haul behind a Chevelle station wagon, the rocking chair on top, rocking. But, but not only that, it was, uh, it was, um, our page was, was, again, just a baby, and that was our first baby. And Barbie and I felt very comfortable with dogs and animals and stuff like that, but we never raised a baby before. Now, she was more confident, absolutely, than I was. But our thought was, babies, you, you, at that time, you didn't have these pampers and huggies and all this. You had diapers. You know, it was just, it was just on the scene, these throwaway stuff. And Barbie said, you know, my baby's bottom is not going to have one of those, that stuff on them. We had cotton cloth diapers. And um, so the first day out, we stopped and we bought a, uh, what was that? It's a, it's a hot, a heating, hot plate, hot plate. Yeah, just one eye hot plate. And, and those of you that know, that know Barbie, you know that, that uh, it's not enough for her just to wash the diapers. They had to be boiled. I mean, I mean, she is that thorough. Matter of fact, she's so thorough. After we were already in California, I tell you, after we were already out in San Francisco one day, Paige, again, six or eight months old, and she was able just to, to get around and walk her. And one day she throws her, her, her pacifier in the, in the toilet. And uh, before, before Barbie can get to her, Paige reaches in and grabs it and sticks it back in her mouth. <laughs> and, Barbie, and Barbie calls me. I wasn't there. Barbie calls me and she's crying. I said, honey, what's wrong? She said, I think I've just killed our baby. I said, what did you do? Well, she said she throwed her passy in the, in the commode. I said, she'll be all right. She said, no, you don't understand. I poured Listerine in her mouth. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I'm thinking she was going to tell me she poured Listerine on the, on the pass. I said, she's okay. No, she poured it in her mouth. So those of you that are wondering about Paige now may understand when she was six or eight months old. <laughs> but the first day out, we, we buy this, this uh, hot plate. And so every night when we would stop, Barbie would wash the diapers that had got soiled that day, and she would, uh, she would boil them. And then she would hang them, hang them across the shower curtain or hang them over the air conditioner in the room. But those were good cloth diapers. They didn't dry out overnight. So the next morning, we would start our trip off. We, wrote, we let the windows down, and we, raised, we put the diaper in, and we raised up four windows on the station wagon. And so here we started out. The, the diapers were flapping in the wind, and the chair on top of the, of the Chevelle was rocking. And here we were going down the road to California. And we've laughed. It's, it's a true story, folks. You can't make this up. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure that, that uh, people, you know, passed us and looked at the Georgia sign and said the rednecks. You had to be rednecks. But, but we were driving across country. And uh, it was before, before they didn't have car seats. And, nobody, you know, we grew up, I don't know how we ever survived. You know, we didn't have car seats. And, uh, but uh, we, so Bar- we had the station wagon full. And Barbie just, she'd put a mattress in right behind the driver's seat. So we would, uh, we would start out, Barbie would, uh, Paige would be awake, and then when Paige got sleepy, I would drive, and when Paige, the baby got asleep, Barbie would turn around and she would put her in the, on the mattress and she would put pillows around her, so she would just, just snooze. Now, I don't know how I got away with this, but for some reason, it just became, when Paige went to sleep, then that was Barbie's turn to drive, and I slept. Now, I don't know where Barbie slept in that, and she was a nursing mother, I have no idea, but that was our arrangement. So we, we go across country on I-40. Here we go. Well, 
another story, I'm not going to go there, but we were coming into Southern California this particular day, about the fourth day out, and it was my turn to sleep and Barbie's turn to drive. And I said, now, honey, before we get into Bakersfield, we're on I-40, just stay on I-40. Don't get off I-40. But before you get to Bakersfield, watch the signs. And before you get to Bakersfield, pull over and, uh, and I'll, make, I'll get us on the right uh, interstate going north to San Francisco. Okay. Well, so I'm sleeping and uh, I, I'm, a Barbie, I'm awake and Barbie's shaking me. Honey, honey, wake up, wake up. And as I wake up, I, uh, I'll notice I'm expecting we're pulled off on the side of the interstate somewhere. And when I wake up, we're stopped and it's almost dark. And in front, right in front of the Chevelle is a gate. And it says, absolutely no trespassing. I said, honey, where are we? She said, I don't know. I said, well, how did we get to where I don't know? She said, I was, uh, she said, I saw the signs for Bakersfield. But she said, you were sleeping so good. Slow well. I didn't want to wake you. And she said, there's big trucks everywhere. And she said, I just assumed that the big trucks knowed how to get through Bakersfield. So she said, I followed a big truck. And I said, well, where is he? She said, he's parked right back here. And she said, he walked and went into that house. I think he lives there. (laughs) Ah, Following people, even people that you think should know where they're going can get you in a lot of trouble. Now, when it comes to the rapture of the church and when it comes to, to signs that are pointing toward the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be a, I want to be a sign watcher and not a people follower. <laughs> you know what I mean? People, following people can get you in trouble. So I want to, um, let me just remind you of, of a couple of, of some signs that we looked at, we've looked at in the last two or three weeks. My plans are, Lord willing, today I want to, I want to kind of finish up the message of uh, why I believe we're living in the end times. And then, Lord willing, next week and maybe for a few Sundays, I want to talk about some essentials for end times living. Okay? Some essentials for end times living. But let me just, let me just quickly remind you, last week, uh, as we, we looked in Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to be going quickly, so you don't necessarily have to go there. I'm going to lie somewhere else in a minute. But in Second Peter chapter 3, it talks about that in the, in the last days, in the end times, that people would be, they would reject the creator God. They would be mocking and making fun of people who even claim that the earth was destroyed by a worldwide flood. Remember, we talked about that. that uh, and there would be a great movement towards uh, this evolutionist. You know, today you look at people... And uh, anyone that dares stands up and talk about a creator and a creation God and a literal creation, feel the, the world to kind of look at you kind of sideways and think, wow, they, they just, you know, they hadn't gotten to 20th century yet. Uh, so we looked at that. That's going to be one of, the, one of the signs to look and see is people are going to reject a creator. And then we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we talked about that the, that the people in the, in, the, in the days before the coming of the Lord would be irreverent. One translation said unholy. They would would scoff or hate anything that was righteous and that they they rejected, that they they rejected anything that even even hinted of of God. And as as we look at that, at God's design, 
Now, when we were when we were in San Francisco, one of the ministries that that we that we were involved in was we had a twenty four hour suicide prevention hotline, a phone, and uh, we did a lot of work with many different people. And one of the things, one of the groups of people that we worked a lot with was a homosexual community there in San Francisco. And one of the things that that I personally took away from from that experience, and in talking with scores, hundreds of people uh, that were in in the in the lifestyle was i believe homosexuality is a rebellion against god's design of male and female i believe it's a, it's a rebellion against god's creation and second peter 3 talks about that in the last days that we're going to be seeing more of that kind of rebellion I, say, I was saying back in the 70s that it was never about acceptance of people, but there was an agenda because God's word shares this with us. And so today we see not only a rebellion, but we see an attack upon God's design for marriage and for the family. And we see where our country is today with the Supreme Court debating the very issue of whether states are going to have to honor that. And it's not just the United States, but if, our, if we're alert and if we're awake... And if we're anticipating what God's word is saying, we see that this is happening worldwide, that around the world, there is this rebellion at God's design. And uh, scripture tells us that's one of the signs, I believe, that we can look for and see as we approach the Lord's return. Then we looked in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as it was talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church, he says that, uh, that these things are going to be, they're going to come upon, up, upon us like birth pains or travail upon a woman with child, like labor pains. And we talked about that. We talked about the Braxton Hicks, the, the false labor. But then we also talked about that the real deal and how that one of the things that we began to look for in, uh, in labor pains was the frequency. How far apart are these? And how intense are the pains? We looked at frequency and intensity. And, uh, and as we did that, well, I've, I've, I've had you, I've been having you read Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and, uh, and Mark 13. And, and uh, I want to go to, to uh, Matthew 24, just a note on, on those. There's a, there's a, there are long passages of scripture. Uh, and, and just a note, Matthew 24. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And by the way, Luke 21 is very similar. It's the same, same uh, incident. Departed from the temple and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to him, See ye not all these things, the temple and everything. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, this was not Solomon's temple. This was the temple that was built after the return of the Israelites back from, from exile. But it was, it was a temple in Jerusalem during Jesus' day. And he was telling about its destructions. And so, the, he, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when is this going to happen? When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of their coming and of the end of the age? Now, just a footnote, just a note, as you read Matthew 24, as you read Luke 12, uh, 21, and, and as you read Mark 13, Jesus initially talks about the destruction of the temple. And that took place, first century. That took place, Romans came in, destroyed Jerusalem, killed many, tore the temple apart. We see, you can see the foundations, some of the foundations that are left there today if you go to Israel. But then they asked him about the sign of his coming and of the end of the age. 
Now, Jesus is speaking, you got to know this, this is before the crucifixion, it's before the resurrection, it's before the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come, it's before, uh, it's, be- you know, it's before the, quote, quote, the church. Jesus is speaking predominantly here at this point to Jewish disciples and to a Jewish audience. And as you read Matthew 24 and you read uh, Luke 21 and Mark 13, a, a lot of the things that, that he's talking about, I believe, have a direct reference to God's dealing with the nation Israel. As you read Revelation, you know, basically the revelation, the period of, of revelation of seven years of, tri- of tribulation, not revelation, of tribulation there, deal particularly like Zechariah chapter 12, particularly with God's dealing with the unbelieving nation of Israel. And he's, he's again, he, he's, uh, right now he's been, he's been, the gospel's been to the world, the, the Gentiles, but God is not through with Israel. God has a specific plan and he still longs for his, for his nation. And he's going to, he's going to deal with them and work and bring to belief. Matter of fact, uh, scriptures talk about that when Israel looks upon the one they've crucified and when they, when they acknowledge him. So a lot of this is, is has to do with that. So it's the period of, during the tribulation period, or maybe later than the, than the rapture. So just know that as you read it and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you. But one of the things that Luke 21 and that Matthew 24 talk about are these birth pain things, these, these frequency. And they mention specifically some. One of the ones they mention are, is earthquakes. Earthquakes. Now, when I, when I started, right after we started this, uh, this study, uh, the earthquake happened in Nepal. And then we had an earthquake uh, in South America. We had an earthquake in Papua New Guinea. We had an earthquake in Japan. We have volcanoes eruption. But, and I had had pulled off a lot of information on that. But then Craig found this, this neat website. The, the site is called quakes.globalincidentmap.com. Quakes.globalincidentmap.com. It is a real-time uh, uh, a real-time listing of the earthquakes that's happening. Matter of fact, first service when, uh, when Brandon was up there, we had it. But now, that, Craig, when, and, uh, and we, we had the, the, the number, it had, it had a list of where the quake were, was and what uh, intensity it measured on, used to be the Richter scale. I think they have another way of measuring it now. And in, in, uh, hourly, minutes, by the minutes, and so the listing for the last 24 hours of the number of measurable earthquakes around the world, world around the world filled the screen twice. Just the earthquakes in the last 24 hours. Scripture says there will be earthquakes in different places, various places, increasing in intensity, increasing in frequency. Now, I know that there's going to people people are going to say, Pastor. We've always had them. It's just that we have better technology now and we can record them more efficiently. And there's, while there's some truth to that, I believe you look at that, you, you follow it, you go to, go to earthquakes, look at that. It's going to impress you. There are, there are more frequent and, they're, and they're, they're happening a lot more of them in a lot different places than ever before. Signs. Look at the signs. Don't follow the people. Another one of the things that they talked about in Matthew scripture and in, and in Luke was disease, disease. Every day talks about uh, drought, famine. Have, have you looked at? The, have you been following on the news? What's happening in California? The water, the water, the you know the the, 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 the there's no water in a lot of places. 
I ran across something recently that said that every day the earth's population is increasing. In other words, the number of births are, are excelling the number of deaths by 225,000 every day. And you look at the, at, you look at the droughts, whether they're man-inflicted, whether they're EPA-inflicted, or whether they're government-inflicted, but the droughts and the pestilence uh, and, the, and, the, and the famines that's going along with that. And it's alarming. You look at that, sometimes that goes along with that, you look at disease. I just read recently that the number of infectious diseases known now that have no medical cure for, the number of infectious diseases with no medical cure is over 20. And then you look at that and you think about Africa. And let me just remind you, how many of you here was alive in 1981? Okay, some of you young ones. How many was alive in 1981? Some of you don't have any idea. Well, I mean, you are. Right. Now, 1981 was the first reported case of AIDS. As of, 19, as of 2014, the number of reported deaths due to age, AIDS, not age, but AIDS, 39 million. 39 million. And as of December 2014, there were, there were 30 to 40 million known cases of people who were living with AIDS then. I mean, you talk to some of the people who travel in other countries and the devastation, we may not have firsthand awareness of it, but it's there. And the scripture warns us, scripture tells us when we see these things coming to pass, that we need to, we need to notice the signs. Look at the signs. Don't watch the people. It'll get you in trouble. Watch the signs that scripture's laid out for us. Scripture talks about wars and rumors of wars. Now, I read this, but I have not vetted this information I want to share with you. And I hate that. I hate it when I, if I, if I ever read something, even if it's from a reliable source, I like to check it out for myself. Could not verify this, but I'm going to give it to you with, with, uh, with, that, with that footnote. Disclaimer. Thank you, Denise. Uh, I read this week that since World War II, and I'm quoting now, since World War II, the world has not known one single day without some nation at war with another somewhere on earth. Wow. And I mean, you come to think, just think about it a little bit. I mean, our whole, the, our language changes as we're looking at the signs of the Lord. We're, ISIS. Ten years ago, who would have known what, there, would never been no, there was no ISIS. I mean, I mean, it was there, but how many, how many 20 years ago would have known what? Jihad. Boko Haram. Is that what it is? Yeah. And, and all these, the terrorist organizations around the world and countries, you know, it's not just Iraq and it's not just Iran, it's not just the Shia and the, and the Sunni, it's, you know, you know it's, it's, it's Yemen, it's Sudan, it's Africa, it's the United States, all these things. And scripture says when you see these things happening, these are some of the signs. Be alert, be awake, be anticipating his return. Now I want to share some scripture with you, just some scripture and uh, and kind of kind of leave it at that this morning. Two two portions of scripture. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Picking up with verse fifty one. 
And Paul is writing to the Christians there in Corinth. And Paul is saying, behold, I show you a mystery. Now, a mystery, the word mystery here is something that was, had, been, had not been known, but now God has made it revealed. It's something that, uh, that had been, you know, it, 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 it was secret, but now God has made it known. And Paul says, oh, I want to share this mystery with you. We shall not all sleep. We're not going to, every one of us is not going to die. But we're going to be changed. And he's talking to the Christian believers here in Corinth. He says, we'll be changed in the moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, now the same Paul who wrote the scripture in Corinthians, now writing to the Christians, and again, he's addressing particularly the, uh, the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians. And in verse 13, he says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. And the word ignorant means is in the dark, unknowing. I don't, I don't want you to, to not know what's going to happen. He says, uh, God is, God is, God has revealed this mystery to us of the change. God's revealed the mystery of the catching away and of the twinkling of an eye and of the changing. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who are asleep or who have died so that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now Paul is saying, I didn't learn this at Pastor Jerry's, taking notes on Pastor Jerry's end time messages. I didn't learn this on a, on a conference on prophecy. He said, I didn't read this in a book. Paul said, I'm sharing with you what God has shared with, with him. He says it's this, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede those which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord." Now, just a note, he's talking, about the, he's talking about the catching away of the body of Christ, the church, meeting the Lord in the air. Now, there's other scriptures that talk about when, the, when, the, when Jesus Christ is going to return to earth and is going to physically plant his feet on Mount Olive, and Mount Olive is going to split in two. All right? That's not this scripture. This scripture is, is, is a catching of the body of Christ in the clouds. And, just, and, and just, just look at that. But notice how Paul ends this message to these believers there. Wherefore, because of this, seeing all this, understanding all this, comfort each other with these words. They're to be exciting. They're to be comforting. They're to keep us alert. They're to keep us awake. They're to keep us anticipating. Matter of fact, so much so that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22 
when the early Christians, when these Christians in Corinth, Paul had written this to, the, the, when they would meet each other, often the greeting would be Maranatha. And Maranatha literally can mean Lord come or come, O Lord, come Lord Jesus. They were encouraging. They, they met each other with the anticipation of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it kept them alert. I believe it kept them awake. I believe it kept them excited. I believe it kept them focused on the mission he'd given them because they knew they had a mission to fulfill before the commander came back. In Luke chapter 21, verse 28, as Jesus is talking to to his disciples and telling them the signs and the ends of the age, he says, and when you see these things begin to come to pass, the earth with the birth pains, more, more intense, more frequent. He says, when you see them begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads. Lift up. He says, take courage. That's what he's doing. Look, not just look up, but look up and get excited because your redemption draweth nigh. Now, I don't know about you. I, have, I hope I have learned my lesson from looking at people and following people. Sometimes they'll take you where you don't want to go. We need to be alert. We need to be awake. And we need to be looking at the signs that the Lord has given us in his word. Okay? Now, I'm going to stop right now. I'm going to have prayer. And then Jeff and Sarah, the overs are coming with some, with some all kinds of kids in red. Today is, um, today is Camp Scholarship Sunday. And uh, in the table, in the foyer, as you leave, uh, there's, a, there's some camp paraphernalia. I've, I love this. I've been wanting to get camp hats for a long time. Finally, Pat Langford got, got look at that. Don't that look? Matches my blue jacket. Look at that. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's a table out there. Look, and they're gonna sh- there'll be offering plates. But let me pray, and then uh, Jeff and Sarah. Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord, that your word is so clear Father, that, uh, that even the most educated sometimes can trip all over the simplicity of it. But it's so clear if we listen to you and, and watch, Lord, that uh, you've given us clear signs. Lord, to be alert, that will take us where we want to go and we'll be there on time. Heavenly Father, now, would you be, take your word and again, keep quickening it to our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.